Welcome back. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. Talked a lot of brewers in the first hour of the program. We are glad you are with us. Uh, the question that was posed to me, and I never really did give an honest answer, uh, I guess. And I, I, I should. I was called out on it during the break. Uh, but I posted it on both Facebook uh, over on the fan page and on Twitter. Uh, there is a poll question and a Q&A over on Facebook, poll question on Twitter. But within the next three years, are the Brewers closer to a World Series appearance or a rebuild? A World Series appearance or a rebuild? And a lot of people on Facebook seem to say they thought they could get to the World Series this year. But after the trade, it seems like the team's kind of fallen apart. Um, and, and I would tend to agree with that. I think you still have the opportunity in this offseason. I really believe this. In this offseason, uh, by the way, I don't think they're going to a World Series this year. And I don't think I'm throwing a bucket of cold water on anybody's optimism at this point. Because I think you're you're probably there already if you haven't realized that. You know, Marcus says uh, they're closer to being a merely a 500 ball club. Uh, Aaron says the rebuild started a couple of weeks ago, and it goes on from there. There's so many more people. Um, Carmelo says, hell, I think they're getting ready to leave town, which that's not going to happen anytime soon. But if I had to choose because of what happened with Josh Hader and the fact that they basically said, we'll take prospects, and a couple of dudes, and we're going to get the most we can and call it a day because they didn't want to pay him. Or maybe they, I shouldn't say didn't want to. They'd love to keep him. They couldn't afford to keep him. That was a gut punch. As a fan, that was a gut punch. Because they paid, I'm not saying that they don't have money. They paid Christian Yelich, and Christian Yelich is a wild disappointment. And if Christian Yelich stays on this path again this season, he's a complete bust. And now I really start to question the numbers that he put up, to be quite honest with you. So I would say they're probably closer to a rebuild because you've got a terrific pitching staff and you've had the opportunity to really go for it. And instead you do it, you have to do it cautiously. And we're also sitting here looking at the Dodgers as the best team in baseball who are spending Double what the Brewers are. Double what the Brewers are. And in the inequities in baseball, sometimes you got to look at it and go, either you catch lightning in a bottle or you're always chasing. So you're probably closer to a rebuild, unfortunately. So to answer your question. But uh, the poll question's up. All you got to do is find it. Uh, 43 votes are in. 90.7 of you say rebuild. 90.7% of you say rebuild so far. But that's the poll question. So there you go. Uh, we've got some news in the world of football, uh, just an FYI. Uh, a couple of different things. Uh, the Packers are making some roster moves. Their roster stands now at 84, and the Packers have uh, room for one more addition. The Packers have released linebacker Ellis Brooks. He was the undrafted rookie from Penn State, they uh, they let him go. And uh, in addition to that, uh, the Packers also, which is a little bit surprising, not a lot, but a little bit, 
They let go of Dominic Daphne, the running back B.J. Taylor, and the offensive lineman George Moore. So that plus Brooks, they're down to now 84, which means they can bring somebody back if they choose to do so. But Dominic Daphne, I thought uh, he might make the squad, but the fact that Robert Tanya has come back and looked good, uh, you know, it, it says a lot. So they didn't really need him. And uh, I know he was a bubble guy. We talked about that with Mike Clemens not that long ago about whether or not Dominic Daphne was was long for this world. And sure enough, um, you know, the Packers have, have made that decision. So you got Josiah DeGuara, who's that guy. They still have Sal Canella, uh, Nate Becker, um, Tyler Davis, and uh, Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, and such. But uh, Josiah DeGuara, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, and Tanyan back being healthy, those are the three guys most likely going to be your, your, quote, tight end, so to speak. So there you go. Bill, I, I really can't believe they released Baylor. He was the guy that caught that 60-yard swing pass from Danny Etling. Well, uh, you, you hope that, uh, you know, he just didn't run fast enough during that swing pass. Or maybe because if Etling otherwise... has led him... If he led him further down the field and he could have scored instead of having to wait for the ball, then maybe yeah. he would be on the team. One of yep. those deals. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, he is now gone as well. So there you go. Um, Chad says, by the way, Yelich would have been better to underhand balls from the outfield. He can't hit or even throw. I That I saw last night, you know, and the term noodle arm came up. Christian Yelich, he was never a detriment in the outfield. He was never he, – he never had this cannon of an arm, okay? I'm never going to say that he did. But he looked more the part. Now, either he has really bad back issues that we're just not privy to or something else has gone on here. He looks just – he's kind of like a shell of himself as to what, what he once was from years gone by. I I, I, I would agree. I would agree. I, I just, I don't, um, I don't get the, the, I mean, I understand you go through an injury, you come through with a little bit of a drop off, but man, the average has fallen. He's now sitting, what, at like 250, something like that. Um, in it just it, it's it's just been bad. It's just been bad. Like over twenty five in his last twenty five plate appearances. Um, what seven eight strikeouts? Only two three walks. Just there's nothing there. No big power. None of that. None of that's really happening. So it, it's just it's it's really disappointing. And Ben, are you now sitting there still contemplating the fifteen home run level for Christian Yelich? Oh, it's over. I was going to issue an, an official statement once he got done with that. I, yeah, the bet's over. It's not happening. And, There's and no even, way he's going to get to 15. I would go as far as to say I, I was a big proponent of moving him to the leadoff spot, and it worked for a given amount of time. He hit 286 in uh, July and, and looked pretty solid. Since right. August has come around, just has not found anything. I It's time to move him down. I, he, he can't go over 12 against the Cardinals in a big series. He did this last year where he did that streak in the middle of July, got hot, and everybody said, oh, he's back. And then he tailed off 
second week of August, just like this year, and and had and really kind of blue cheese ever since. Christian Yelich, since 2019, where he hit 44 home runs in one season, he hit 80 home runs in two seasons. 80. 80 home runs. Since then, he's hit 29 home runs in three years. A, something happened. He got the contract, had the knee injury. After that, pfft, nothing. He was uh, a 7.1 and a 7.6 war player. Now he's uh, a 1.8 war, war player. I mean, you know, you go back to 2014, he was 3.6, 3.5 in 2015, 5.3 in 16, 3.9 in 17. 7.6 in 18, 7.1 in 19, 0.1 in 2020, 1.3 in 2021, 1.8 in 2022. He's awful. He's awful. This is, this. if this is the way it stays for the remainder of the season, he is in a fielder's choice Jeff Supon. I'm not saying it was the wrong deal. Because at the time, you needed to sign him. And it was a great thing and a shot in the arm for the organization. But Christian Yelich, not the organization, Christian Yelich has failed this organization miserably. Miserably. Just has. Then you look, you're right. Worst contract, Yelich or, or uh, Tatis Jr.? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. One guy about a, that, a breaking news story when I was sitting in a bar last week. Almost spit my beer out on that one. It was my last four minutes on air for the week, and Jeff Passan dropped it as I was signing off. And, you know, I was getting excited to go out and not be on radio anymore. It's, it's one of those deals. It's one player that's been on the field constantly and can't play well, and one terrific player who's such an idiot off the field that he can't even get back on it. I don't know right. which is worse. I... I and I'm getting this uh, via email right now. I've got it from two different people and a couple a couple of different comments. Is that the belief is that Yelich got his contract via some kind of substance, had true tremendous seasons, got the money, and the reason again, like Ryan Braun, took less money was because the numbers were juiced. He got his money. Now you don't take the juice anymore, and you're back to being an average ball player. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Okay, I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But in, in baseball, in baseball, there's always that perception becoming reality because unless players do it consistently, you get better each and every year to where you hit your apex and you just continually play well. Even if you have a drop-off, you go from 44 home runs down to 35 or 32. That's one thing. You go from 44 to 10, 44 to 8, come on, man. Eyebrows are raised, and you cannot look, point the finger at a Brewers fan or a baseball fan and say, no, you're wrong. You got no proof. You got no proof. You're right. But we've seen over and over and over and over again, guys come on, play extremely well, get the contract, raise an eyebrow because they're doing things they've never done before, and then all of a sudden, the minute they get the money, right into the crapper. Right into the crapper. 
So and I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just simply saying perception becomes reality in many people's minds. Uh, let's do this. When we come back, we're going to hear from the uh, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur, as his team just took the practice field against the New Orleans Saints. That's coming up. It's, it's, a, it's a great discussion, but it's a lot of speculation when it comes to Christian Yelich and what's going on there. And I'm not saying that the Brewers are losing because of Christian Yelich. That's not what I'm saying either. He's a part of the problem. There's no doubt about it. When you have a, a terrific middle of uh, July, only to see it completely tail off to nothingness over as it continues to mount, I mean, you know, come on. And you're not even going to approach, unless you go on some kind of a binge, you're not even going to approach 15 home runs. That's a disgrace. This whole thing about launch angle and, and velo- exit velocity, you know what it is? Take your butt, go to the bathroom, take all those statistics, and you know what to do with it because it's crap. It all It's all crap. I don't want to hear about it anymore. He's got the highest contact launch excellent velocity rate of any. Shut up. He's still over 25. And in the biggest series, when you need him the most, <laughs> nothing. Stop it. That's the reason the sabermetrics and all the different numbers that people want to throw at you, that's fine. You can tweak them any way you want, but it is what it is. Wins, results simply aren't there. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by, uh, by the way, I, w- I failed to mention our friends at Buzzard Billy's um, when, I was, uh, when I was talking about all the different uh, you know, sponsors we have regarding the, uh, um, regarding the motorcycle ride. And uh, I got a nice note from Carl who said, hey, if you're coming out to lacrosse, go to Buzzard Billy's. We'll see you over there. Uh, I will be there. It's most likely going to be tomorrow evening at some point. I'm going to stop in real quick on my way back uh, to uh, the Milwaukee area. But I love going in. they got pepper jack cheese bites, and I love those things. So I go in there, and I usually get those. They've got some really good poutine, too. Oh, that's that's awesome stuff. The poutine, so good. Uh, but usually they've got a blackened shrimp salad that I'll go in there, and I'll grab that, eat light. They do have some really good pastas and such, and traditional kind of cr- Cajun Creole dinners. But for the most part, that's that's my go-to's when I go into Buzzer Billy's and I get myself uh, a margarita. But I'm going to stop by there tomorrow and say hi to the staff and the management. So uh, I encourage you, Buzzer Billy's in Lacrosse, great place, and they do a lot of good things. And the Starlight Lounge, which is right upstairs, you can go upstairs and visit that as well. But I'll be doing that tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to hear from Matt Lafleur coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. place to go for your rubs, your barbecue sauce, sweet and spicy, traditional, hot and honey, all that kind of good stuff, and hot sauces. Oh, Burn Pit Barbecue. Uh, they are veteran-owned and based in the state of Wisconsin. Right out, it started right in uh, their, their garage, and it's grown, and it's only grown because you've believed in it, and you've tasted it, you've tried it, and you continue to buy it. So check out BurnPitBBQ.com. That is BurnPitBBQ.com. Now, before we uh, get to the Matt LaFleur stuff, uh, I want to get to the phone call real quick. Uh, let's go to our buddy Daniel listening to us in Toma. Daniel, what's going on today, man? How you doing? Okay. I feel like this. I'd be like getting rid of Rodgers and saying love is, the, is our savior. They got rid of Hater, and maybe it isn't just arm. It's an attitude. Mm-hmm. And you know from being in sports, team attitude really goes around. Maybe Hater was the speaker, whatever is the reason why. I mean, to me, 
a lot of players, it seems like their attitude changed when they go to the game. You don't see them high-fiving, doing all those things together like they were when they were winning. Do you agree or disagree I would agree. with that attitude? I, know, and I, then, I would agree. Uh, you yeah. had a show on a month ago. Which we, should we get rid of Hater? You had people call left and right. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. I was like, what are you doing? I said, no like way. When you had the show about Rodgers, you said, why would you want to get rid of him? Are you guys nuts? Yep. I, I mean, completely agree. I, 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 there's sports people, and then there's wannabe sports people. They only go to the games because they want to get drunk and get high or whatever they want to do. <laughs> they don't care about the game. They care about having fun. Well, you know, take your family away. You ain't go to the games no more. You people out there that want to get rid of the the attitude, I, I'm i upset because I think we were – I think we were close to at least being in the playoffs and doing good. Now we're lucky if we make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you're going to be really lucky. Daniel, appreciate the phone call. They're going to be really lucky if they make the playoffs. The next two weeks determine whether or not they're going to. Uh, I think it's that simple. If they Now, if they say play 500 baseball, they're still hanging in there because their schedule towards the end of the season favors them. Then again, I thought it favored them when they were going to face Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and they, they took it in the rear end, but – um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 the next two weeks is going to determine whether or not the deficit to the Cardinals is, is doable or it's going to be insurmountable. Uh, my question, my poll question real quick, uh, over 120 votes so far with the next three years, the Brewers are closer to what world series or rebuild and only 11.7% of you say World Series. That's where the belief is right now in this Milwaukee Brewers Club. 81% or 88% say uh, closer to a rebuild, unfortunately. Uh, some of the guys that are no longer with the Green Bay Packers, the roster has been cut down. Uh, you got Ellis Brooks now gone. You've got others that have uh, been let go, including Dominic Daphne. So they are sitting at 84 roster players now, 84 one under the mandatory uh, Matt LaFleur going to the podium just before his team took to the field to face off today uh, against the uh, the New Orleans Saints. Here's what he had to say. I think a lot of the issues sometimes stems uh, in those periods. You know, there's um, these guys are competitors, man, and that's what we love about them. But uh, sometimes, you know, that's where tempers start to flare and you see it carry over so just thought it was best to operate the way we are where we go right to team and um you know i think we're, we're on the same page we, we, we it's pretty much the same script as as last year against the jets will uh jenkins and watson and, and tanya participate in this they will not you know, just part of individual from your perspective, what do you guys get out of these joint practice experiences in comparison to an, ex, an actual exhibition game if they played a few series or something like that? Yeah, I think it's, it, first of all, it's a great opportunity. Like I mentioned before, it's, it's much more controlled. Um, I also think just getting a different look is important because a lot of these, it sounds like there's a lot of game planning that's going on you know, prior to these practices. So it really forces you to hone in on your rules and, and follow your rules as a player um, to make sure. Because throughout the course of the season, throughout the course of the preseason, certainly there's going to be a lot of unscouted looks. So it, it makes you just kind of stay sharp on what, what your rules and responsibilities are. 
You said it would be the same script as, as last year, but how much did you collaborate with Dennis and, and meet with him about kind of jointly putting the, the script together? Yeah, we spent we spent um, an, as much time as needed. Uh, certainly, I, I talked to, to him again yesterday, but we had talked a few times throughout the course of this, just you know, just in terms of all the logistics going on, in terms of what time we start, what how many periods, what what's the D and D's, the personnel's, so just making sure that both sides were happy with it. Did you incorporate anything from his usual practice script, or do you guys pretty much overlap with everything? Yeah, I would say that, yeah, there was definitely some things that we implemented that we talked about. For Sorry. Is Elvino stick up to the right tackle for now? Uh, that's day-to-day, so we'll see. Are there going to be any, like, call-it periods, or is everything kind of scripted these days? No, I mean, you could, in... in uh, some regards, you could say everything is kind of unscripted in terms of because you really have no idea what the opposition is going to do um, outside of the personnel groupings. So, um, but no, there are going to be some move the ball, call it, and we're going to let the officials officiate it. We're lucky that we have two crews here, so hopefully that'll help control the the practice a little bit more and i think it's going to be a great experience for our guys also having the officials here you know kind of trying to understand how they see certain things uh making sure that we're using proper technique and and uh stay in discipline with that technique Matt, will you break it down you have a blitz period a red zone period a goal line period things like that are you will you do two minutes yeah all, all of the above so we're going to start out with our run play pass period which is all first down then we're going to transition uh to a third down period which is is going to be a quite a challenge i, I would say for the offenses involved um uh, just some of the dnds that we picked um are, are gonna it's gonna the, st- the deck is stacked against them a little bit but it, it'll be good it'll be great um and then transition to the red zone then we'll have the move the ball period and then finish with the two minute and then you know, we'll see how the practice goes, potentially a developmental period at the end as well. Another move the ball, call it. Will these be more tailored to the, your starters and second team guys because of the preseason game on Friday? Yeah, I would say that's, I mean, we're really only going two groups. So it's, it's your starters and then it's the twos and threes are going to be the second group. Coach, what do you hope the rookies gain from these practices? Well, I think every time you go out there and practice is another learning experience. And then just to see a different go uh, compete against different people, um, experience a different scheme. I mean, certainly uh, in, in all three phases, we're all a little bit different. And, um, so I think it'll be, it'll be good for them. Just like I t- mentioned earlier, just making sure they're on top of their rules because, uh, we didn't spend a whole lot of time watching New Orleans Saints film. I mean, there might've been, they might've, peaked it a little bit in a meeting, but there wasn't, I would say, uh, a whole lot of time just dedicated to that. Matt, with how good the defense has been against your own offense this training camp, how, what is the expectation level for them now that they're going up against a competing offense? I mean, the expectation level is the same every time they go out there. It's to give their and to make sure that they're doing the things that they can control, the communication how we fly to the football. Um, it'll be fun to see how, you know, conversely, how a great Saints defense plays on the other side of the ball, how they attack the football. So it's just, again, every time you go out there, you want to put your best stuff out there for everybody to see. 
there's going to be a lot of, certainly our whole scouting department's here. Their whole scouting department's going to be there. So it's going to be a good opportunity for all our guys to get have a lot of eyes on them throughout the course of practice and see how they compete for two-plus hours. Matt, is the idea for both you guys to have the ones go against each other and the twos go for Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be good and good. Did you, uh, you guys keep that robot thing around? Uh, it was out of practice. What did you think of the robot? That was pretty cool. So did I. <laughs> I will say we better get a discount. That's a lot of publicity <laughs> that uh, Monarch has, has gained th through this. Yeah. When did you learn about that as a thing? Uh, a couple weeks ago after the infamous press conference. <laughs> Someone contact you, or did you go do some research? No, uh, that's, that's that was all. You know, uh, Russ Ball and our equipment staff did a great job of kind of looking into things, and um, that's what that's what they found. So, a lot of our players, I didn't realize how many players had of our players had experience with that machine before. So, I guess they're they're pretty prevalent throughout some of the major college programs, and then some of these guys shoot. I think I saw that. Does Adrian have his own? So these guys have definitely seen them before or, or used them during camps or whenever it may be. Have you gotten on the receiving end of one of those yet? I did. Yeah. Pre-practice, yeah. But you you guys it. missed it. But you hadn't experienced it like, from your college coaching or anything like that? Mm -hmm. I think it's relatively new. So um, I think they said they started in like 16 or whatever and just kind of last couple of years got got those models out how, how well do you know Dennis Allen like before all this happened did you know him well hardly at all not not particularly well I know he knows some of our coaches pretty well um, but he's a guy that certainly I've always had a ton of respect for I mean he's been doing it at a high level in this league for a long time and um, you, you just watch at when he was the defensive coordinator, obviously, in New Orleans, just how the defense plays, the mentality they play with, and I think you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Obviously, you knew Robert, you know, fairly, fairly well. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so, too. Um, so has this been uh, any more challenging, putting, putting these practices together with someone who you don't really know? Or? Not, not, not particularly. I, I would say that's it's... it's as long as the communication's there, and we've communicated great, and he's been awesome to talk to, and um, yeah, it's it's been great. Hey, Matt, um, on Friday night, there were a couple of throws that uh, Jordan had in the flats that were off target a little bit. What's is that something with his footwork or routes, you know, not run correctly, or what? How do you get him to complete those or get those? Right yeah, I think definitely if you if you talk to Jordan, I think those are a couple of those he'd definitely like to have back. Um, you know, just looking at it, like what we could have done better probably wasn't the best way to run it because a couple of those reads kind of got muddied up based on our formation. But um, and, and just how uh, the, the, the technique that the defense was playing with um, forced our or tight end to kind of arc his release and kind of got in the window and um, not to make excuses for it because you still got to make those throws and um, but yeah there's there's room for improvement from everybody I would say. Do you so, if, can I follow up? if 
that route isn't perfectly run, do you expect the quarterback to adjust to that and, and complete it anyway, or is he thrown into a spot and the running back's got to get to it? No, I think you're, the expectation is that you have to adjust. I mean, that's just um, the name of the game. So you have to be able to, to adjust. And you might not be in the perfect body position every time, but, you, you know, you got to finish your throw and, and throw it accurately. That's just part of the job. There you go, Matt LaFleur talking to the media, getting uh, getting his team ready to head out on the field to take on the New Orleans Saints in practice. Uh, practice has begun, by the way, and uh, so far the offensive front for the Saints have not been able to hang, hang with the defensive front of the Packers. Packers have been all over Andy Dalton. Uh, the only down note is Jordan Love threw the first interception of the day on a deep pass. Uh, so that's the update from up there at Lambeau Field. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come back. Got a lot more to get to this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Bud Light. They are the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. It's not this Wednesday. It is the 24th. The tw- I think it's the 24th. I'm going to have to check for it to be sure to be actually honest with you. But uh, it's either the 24th or the 31st. Now I'm, I'm scratching my head. But Wednesday Night Live will be back one more time this year. Uh, we'll be there on stage promoting the motorcycle ride, but it's the Toys Revisited. Looking forward to it. All brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. And Bud Light also, uh, they have been with us as the primary beer sponsor uh, and the uh, exclusive beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network for 15 years with our motorcycle ride. We can't say thanks enough to them and our friends from over there at Bud Light for being a part of the program. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I drove past yesterday. Uh, I was on a 94. I was coming back from Johnson Creek. And I looked over, and the renovations continue. And I know they had a little bit of a setback because of some zoning issues, but they are now fully rolling on our friends uh, Jeff and Alicia and the gang over at Stoley Hog Alley. And that place is uh, completely gutted and being rebuilt and still open, uh, doing a great job. But, man, I can't wait for that place to be be completed is going to look fantastic but in the meantime continue to support local continue to support great people and that is jeff and alicia stole at stoley's hog alley right there in summit uh, oconomowoc or if you want to go to stoles old 109 now that they did that place right i love going there and uh, stoles old 109 up in watertown either place same owners same great people uh, same great service and really good food and i can't recommend either one i anymore they're just just awesome people to even be involved with, and that's our friends at Stoley's Hog Alley and Stoles Old 109. Either place, wonderful, guaranteed a good time, guaranteed to be treated right. And uh, if not, uh, by all means, get a hold of Jeff and Alicia because they will make sure that you are indeed treated correctly. Um, the, uh, the the Packers on the practice field, a lot of stuff going on today. The Packers make a couple of cuts. They get down to uh, 45 uh, They today. And uh, Dominic Daphne, the more noted cut, the tight end. And so anyway, long story short is um, it's uh, it's one of those things where the uh, the Packers 
trying to make a couple of moves, leaving a roster spot open, always leaving themselves some flexibility. Uh, the defense, the defensive front against the Saints today has looked nothing short of fantastic, by all means. And they look really, really good. Uh, Jordan Love had a few struggles for the most part. Hey, here's one thing, and I didn't even mention this today. So yesterday I get a call, and uh, it's it's from a very good friend, Eric Goodman. I've had Eric on before at Mile High Sports out in Denver. And he said, hey, I want to pick your brain for a minute. I said, sure, give me a call. I was in the midst of a bunch of different conference calls and stuff. And so uh, him and I started talking. He said, how much do you think the Green Bay Packers are going to miss Nathaniel Hackett? And I paused for a minute, and I thought, you know, eh, obviously Nathaniel Hackett had a really good relationship uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, as the assistant, um, you know, play caller, so to speak, the offensive coordinator. But more so, I think the relationship and behind closed doors, they're, they're going to miss. And I said, why? He said, Nathaniel Hackett is nothing short of amazing. And I said, what do you mean? He said... He's a guy that, he said, first of all, I've never seen a head coach give high fives and hug as many players coming off the field as I've seen with Nathaniel Hackett. He's unbelievably genuine. He's a bit quirky, but he's got the personality that fits with everybody. And I said, well, that's kind of natural. I mean, this is a guy, Aaron Rodgers is not the easiest guy to get on that same mental level plane with, you know, that, 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 that mentality. And they kind they really meshed. They had a really good working relationship. And I said, Nathaniel Hackett was one of the guys that could get in the rear end of Aaron Rodgers and chew him out. And Rodgers respected it. Tom Clemens is another guy. I think Matt LaFleur is there now. But Nathaniel Hackett had that ability. He said, oh, yeah. He said, Nathaniel Hackett's gotten on Russell Wilson numerous times for just quit throwing the ball downfield, quit hanging out of the football, take what the offense give, take what the defense gives you, keep moving the offense down the field. I mean, so it got me thinking a little bit. I thought, boy, I know Tom Clements coming back is going to have uh, just as tremendous an impact on Aaron Rodgers as as anything. But I thought, I wonder what the loss, the 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 friendship loss, the behind the scenes loss, the behind closed doors loss. Nathaniel Hackett will mean to the offense for the Green Bay Packers and to Matt LaFleur as a confidant. I remember when Joe Philbin left, and I remember I sat down and I talked with Rodgers at the time because Mike McCarthy called all the plays. And Joe Philbin, as we all know, he took a head coaching job and left and went off to Miami. But at the time, I said, well, you know, Joe really didn't call the plays. He said, but Joe was so big behind closed doors. Joe was the guy that set up the meeting room. Joe was the guy that we went to with all of our questions. And if he couldn't answer it, he broke it down for us and would find the answers. You know, and if we could collaborate with somebody, it was Joe. If we could talk about different ideas, different approaches, if if plays didn't feel right, we could go to Joe and say, man, this just this isn't working. What else can we do? And Joe always had an alternative. Joe was never a no man or do it this way anyway, man. He was always a guy that would kind of – you know, be that buffer for us. And you got the sense that you need that guy between the head coach, who is the play caller, and the quarterback and the offense, who are the executioners. You know, you got to have something in between to say, hey, this may or may not work. This, this, we need a better solution, a better alternative. We need to listen to the guys that are on the field trying to work this. 
And that's what was Joe Philbin. I wonder if Nathaniel Hackett was that guy as well and how much Tom Clements is now going to fill that role. But uh, I just, it, it's just, I'm just throwing it out there and there's no real answer to this. But I just thought it was really, really interesting when I got the call that kind of came out of the blue to say, oh, my God, thank you for allowing Nathaniel Hackett to interview with the Denver Broncos and then ultimately to become the head coach because they they absolutely positively love him. Now, they haven't played a game yet. They haven't lost a game yet. They haven't won a game yet. Who knows if Justin Uten is going to be the real deal behind Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator, uh, whether or not Evero is going to be a good defensive coordinator, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen out there? But they feel they've really, with Cortland Sutton and, and Jerry Judy and company, they K.J. Hamler, they feel that they've got, you know, Tyree Cleveland. They feel they've got really a good weapon, uh, we- stable of weapons for Russell Wilson to throw to, and they're they're ready to make some hay in that, that very tough AFC West. So uh, anyway, uh, I digress, but I, I just thought it was rather interesting when we sit here and talk about the Green Bay Packers a little bit. Bill, um, is also the part of that where we talk all the time about what Clements means for Rodgers. I, right. I feel like we haven't talked enough about what he could mean for love down the road, whether, you know, how much he harps on fundamentals and footwork and that stuff, whether we could right. see that pay off two, three years if love becomes starter. That's yeah, that's the other thing, because we heard so much about so far this camp about love, how he's changed his base, his footwork looks better, he's more confident. And I said, well, let's wait and see what we see on the field. And it was Jordan Love. He looked a little better, but we're still talking about his footwork. I mean, Eric Baranchek broke it down brilliantly, I thought, yesterday in his footwork and his base and where he crossed his feet a couple of times, threw off off balance a couple of times. And he doesn't have the veteran savvy know-how like Rodgers or I think the arm strength of Rodgers to be able to just kind of snap it when he throws off the back foot on the run. I, I don't think he has that. So he's going to have to have a different, different, a whole new different set of, of skill set of fundamentals. If he, if, cause if he thinks he's going to go out there and do what Aaron Rodgers does, he's full of crap. So he needs to be able to say, okay, I've mastered the fundamentals. And then once I get comfortable throwing the ball and doing things that way, then I can improv a little bit. By the way, did you see our buddy Zach Heilprin uh, shows video of, and he's got Packers legend Taysom Hill walking out of the yeah. practice facility doors onto the field. He's got a video of that. So Taysom Hill versus cool. Danny Etling. That's the training camp battle to watch. That That's the one to, I would say Taysom Hill even versus Jordan Love, but I, I think people crucify me for that. Oh, I thought uh, Etling was the, the backup. Sorry. Uh, well, you know, and. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know, the backups to the backups right now are all playing pretty well in the National Football League against the fours and five. So who really knows? Uh, our friends, Paul Robert and the Ro- gang of Robert Specialty Meats, they encourage you to, to remind, re- remember this, two things. One, it doesn't matter if summer's over or not. Summer is still grilling season, but there is nothing better than football and tailgating as well. So don't forget, you got Robert Specialty Meats, whether it's ribs on a stick, it's the Parmesan, the garlic Parmesan chicken skewers, the Al Capone uh, roast, the Al Capone sausages, the hot Italians, which is what we love, or all of their deli specials like the baked potato potato salad, which is fantastic. I didn't even know they had it. I got it and took it with us out to Asturgis. Oh, I just ate that stuff in the middle of the night. It was so good. That stuff's good as well. Go to Robert's Specialty Meats in Waukesha on Sunset Drive or Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. Robert's Specialty Meats, Waukesha.com. And here's the other news. 
they cater too. They do a lot of events. So if you're looking for somebody just to come out and supply ribs on a stick, some good meat, some good roast, some good sausages, grilling them up for you, putting them in some really cool sauces, these are the guys to go to. Paul Roberts and the gang at Roberts Specialty Meats. Go to robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. That is robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers making some roster moves to get down to 85 players by today, including releasing backup center Cole Schneider out of Central Florida, and they released linebacker Randy Ramsey, who suffered a severe ankle injury last year in training camp and has struggled so far this year. They got some players back on the field during yesterday's jog-through. Robert Tunyon, rookie receiver Christian Watson, and Elton Jenkins coming back from a torn ACL, taking half-speed reps at right tackle. Head coach Matt floor well it was definitely a shot on the arm for our team i think just even though it was you know just the jog through portion and and individual i thought they looked good so we'll see hopefully they can again continue to get a little bit better and stronger and healthier and more confident each and every day now lafleur says he wants to make it clear he wants no fighting during joint practices today and tomorrow with the saints i talked to packer center josh myers i mean i'm sure it'll be something that's discussed in our team meeting but as as far as like amongst peers like around the facility i don't it just doesn't really come up much you know but there is extra juice in those joint practices definitely yeah no doubt about it i mean you know that's another nfl team in green bay so yeah definitely the saints have wide receiver michael thomas back from last year's ankle surgery and they signed veteran safety tyron matthew in may quarterback Jameis winston dealing with a foot injury he suffered last week so that means andy dalton who's been with the bengals the cowboys and the bears will now be under center for new orleans what does he think of joint practices i've done it a couple times in my career it's good work i think it gets the time in camp where you've been seeing the same guys over and over, same defenses, same group, and it's good to go compete against another team and kind of kind of see where you're at. And so uh, it'll, it'll be fun to go up there to Green Bay. At Saints backup quarterback Andy Dalton in Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Friends up at Forgotten Fire Winery. Great place. Love that place. And I uh, got to get back up that way. I haven't been up to WMAM in a while. I'm an Omni Marinette and hang out in Peshtigo. But uh, if you are in the area, they're doing a lot of cool stuff. And they've got bands on the weekend. They've done some fundraisers. I saw last weekend they were doing some stuff for the firefighters up there. Every weekend it seems like they've got food and they've got wine tastings and they've got music. And it's just a, a small winery just making the best of it, and, and they're kicking ass. And I love the fact that they just say, we're winning awards, and we've got gold medals everywhere, but we don't care because we just want people to enjoy what it is we do. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com, ForgottenFireWinery.com. Love that place. Say hi to everybody up there, Melissa and Chris and everybody. They're just good people. And uh, stop in and tell them we said hi. But uh, look for it and just keep them afloat. They're Wisconsin-based, man. Go to your grocery store, your liquor store, your wine store. Ask for it by name. Forgotten Fire Winery. ForgottenFireWinery.com in Pestigo. And if you're in Pestigo, walk in and say, hey, give me the Bill Michaels deal. 
What is it? And they'll tell you they've got a different special just if you hear it on this program. Go in and ask for it. Don't forget. Coming up next, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, going to be joining us. That is coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 